Welcome back to Plus This. I'm Kathy Deach. And today, it's already been spicy pre-show. So during the show, I'm sure it's going to be a goddamn disaster. I have amazing theater people with me. They're two of the funniest people I know. I can't believe I'm blowing my wad and having them both on at the same time. I absolutely should have spread my, my juice around. Um, but I have to start by telling you about Claire, who was with me in New York when we did BroadwayCon right before the world shut down. And we had a blast talking about body bias on the stage. And believe it or not, it actually was fun. And she's incredible. I met her guys. We just had our 10-year anniversary. I don't even know if she like knows that. But like at the end of March, we had our 10-year anniversary. We met at, um, we tested for Mike and Molly, both of us. And she flew in from Indiana. Uh, and I was in L.A. And we stayed in touch all this time. And uh, she's just been... Such, like, we just had, like, a fun afternoon in a studio in a white room. Like, what is our lives? And then, like, I think I might have dr driven her or had someone drive us, me and her, to her hotel. Like, I didn't even drive yet. It was, like, really early, early days of L.A. And um, she's an incredible human. Now she's getting an MFA in acting at Michigan State. And um, Michigan State, yeah, no. Michigan yes. State, yes. And um, I got all weird for a second. I was like, university, wait, is there a difference? Is it all the same? Um, and she is so cool that she is studying theater of the body and with like a focus on fat women. And she was like my expert. She's my academia princess. I love her. She's here. It's She's so into it. She like started two different groups in two different states uh, so, like, women and non-binary people get represented on stage. Claire Wilcher is here. Hi, Claire! I have many leather-bound books if you'd like to read them. That's what grad school is. <laughs> and bourbon. And bourbon, yes, of course, celebrating the Apollo 11, the landing on uh, on the moon, July 20th, 1969. Incredible. Incredible. <laughs> it's always good to have a mark for makers. You know what I mean? Have a thing. That yeah. marked an occasion. I have a Prince mug for that very same thing. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> I almost brought him in today, but I said, relax it. Don't don't peek. Never relax. We're in quarantine, Kathy. I Teach. know. Don't I shouldn't relax. be relaxing at all. I, I used every last bit of energy trying to straighten my hair, which is literally, <laughs> I feel like a little Jewish girl <laughs> who like had no chance in like in like lower Manhattan when she came over on the boat like I just like literally the Ashkenazi in me is is coming out in full force and it will not stop growing and this way too but whatever um I tamed her um Claire um I'm so glad we're actually making this happen because at BroadwayCon we were supposed to have this moment with yeah. our next, with my other guest. And he blew his wad, speaking of wads, uh, when he was practically hosting all of BroadwayCon and called me like this and was wondering, Kathy, I was wondering if I could not come tomorrow because I didn't realize that this is what BroadwayCon hosting was. So if you could please not make me come, I mean, I'll do it. I'll come in at 10 a.m., Kathy. But honest to God, <laughs> like, with someone who has, like, the highest voice I've ever heard in my life, it was chilling. I was chilled to my bones. So he's a vet. He's been in so many Broadway shows, he makes me want to puke. Um, he was just in The Prom. He was in Hair, The Revival, which I can't wait to talk to him about. And I was in that little ditty, Finding Neverland, playing some kind of sordid pirate. He also was in Emoji Land when this closed, and I want to hear about that too because he just looked insane from the pictures and the video. I was like, what is this show about? But it like won, got nominated for an award today, so there's like this is like a momentous day in many ways. So please welcome Josh Laman. Is it Laman? If you pay me on Thursdays, you can say it however the <laughs> fuck you want, Kathy. I had a full argument with someone on whether it was Lamin or Layman. Well, I'm going to tell you something. When uh, the Lehmanobs uh, came to Ellis Island 
And the dude was like, so what's your name? They were like, Limonad. <laughs> and the guy was like, Lamone. <laughs> and he wrote down Lamone. And then my uh, grandpa was like, I don't like Lamone. <laughs> we're layman's. And so then it was layman, but my little brother goes by Lamone. So really, oh. take your pick. Okay, so layman works. I always thought because your handle at one point was laminade, that I was a lamb, a laminade. But it's no, really... it's like laminade. Like, laminade. Uh, I've always said layman, but I think Lamone sounds better. And honestly, I think I'm going to go by that. For now on, I was going to go by damn thickness. Did I ever tell you... <laughs> During the proms out of town, I got a message on OkCupid, okay and the message was, damn, thickness. <laughs> and I was like, I think I found my new professional name. Was it two C's in thick? It was, I don't remember that, but it was, he was clearly like, damn, thickness. Like, <laughs> I found my queen, damn, thickness tonight. Yes. Like, sort of like that. Yeah. Yes. I like, damn, thickness is like a tattoo. Like I would get yeah, that. Yeah, damn on my, thickness. I would get that on my arm if I had a tattoo, for sure. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Sort of like Bat Out of Hell too, and my <laughs> character is damn thickness. That's so great. So and we're here in Carnival. So Layman, it's very funny because I don't know what our name was, but Deech definitely was not Deech. It was definitely like we came over here when like Germans were like, no, we don't want no Germans. Yeah, and they like changed it like. I, I think it was my family that did it. I don't think it was the person at the thing. I think no. They were I think they came over and it was like das Reichenes has a tonight tonight. They were like, uh, okay, you're Kathy Deitch. Welcome to America. Yeah, and because I don't, I don't pronounce a German at all. And every time I go to Germany, they always try to talk to me. And yeah. I'm like, I they know. They see you. They're like, hey, we remember you. <laughs> yeah. They're like, you're very familiar. You're truly you're familiar. Guilty. Well, um, that was a delight. I have a question for the two of you. And I think <laughs> I kind of know the answer. Um, you know, on the show, on Plus This, we have some guests sometimes uh, that aren't are at all different kinds of places with fat activism or even having a comfort level of that. I just wanted to ask you both and whoever wants to jump in first. Um, how do you feel about the word fat? Do you identify as fat? Crickets. <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm happy to go with this. It's a struggle. Um, for me, I have spent the majority of my life hating myself and, um, I've always been bigger. There was the year of the twink when I got wicked, and that's because uh, Atkins diet came out. I lost all my weight almost immediately, and um, all of a sudden I was a twink, but in the mirror I was not to me, and I still hated myself, and, you know, I, I had no idea that there was other eating disorders other than anorexia and bulimia. Right. Right. And, you know, honestly, like I've always felt like a faker. I'm still learning how to love myself. I have a therapist. I have a psychiatrist. I have a wonderful family and team. And for me as an activist, yes, I'm all about it. I'm all about it. But when it comes to me and my demons, it's very hard because I'm not, I ain't no Lizzo as much as I wish I was, but I am a Lizzo for other people and I can be that, yeah. you know, it's complicated. It is. Well, it, it's hella complicated. And what's fascinating about you, Josh, is that, and I love that you jumped right in with it. Cause I was going to totally make you talk about your twink phase is that so many of us as fat people never have that twink phase. Like I was a size 10 at 10 years old. And then that was it. I was in double digits, you know? So always, always striving just to be on the other side of like the plus size department. Right. Like just, could I just be in the junior section for one day? Yeah. You know? So I never had that. And I've, you show me pictures of you and, um, that, so, you know, ever there's this thing that people believe that is not true. And I think that people more and more are admitting that it's not true, that there's this thin person inside everybody fat wanting to come out. Now, you literally have that moment, and you're here saying that there's, like, some cognitive dissonance there. And 
and there I was. To talk a I bit still about hated that. myself. I still felt like nobody found me attractive. I still, you know, I still was not thin enough. I would never be thin enough. I would never be cute enough. I would never be this enough. And eventually I just couldn't take it anymore. And it all came back. And then with that, you have that horrific guilt when you see people again. And, you know, they're not mean to you. And maybe they're not thinking it. But when they see you and they're like, hi, how are you? And but in your head, you're like, you're you're evaluating my yes. size. Yes, because you knew me in a different body and how yeah like i can't say that you're snorting an eight ball of coke on the weekend (laughs) but you can see my drug Mm -hmm. you know and so and a lot of shame that goes with that it's for me it's been very hard Mm. i'm sorry but I, i think that's interesting i think um I think the word fat to me has become a lot more uh, doable and usable really only in the last probably year and a half of my life. I, I've always been this size, except for um, my twink phase, which was in um, like seventh grade. I was in Weight Watchers in seventh grade and I, uh, I got down to, I was very, very thin um, and I went to meetings with all the adults and everything too. And I somehow really, um, came out of that, you know, I won't say completely unscathed, but relatively unscathed. And I was very, very confident and always kind of the, um, I was a class clown, I think, as a lot of, you know, extroverted or, um, you know, more outgoing fat people sometimes tend to be to kind of, you know, overcompensate for that acceptance level and that kind of making the joke before other people can. Um, But I also, Um, didn't really, I was really afraid of the word fat until probably a couple of years ago. And that, um, that kind of was a game changer for me. And um, as soon as I decided to kind of dive in head first, that's when I really started to um, just be a lot more transparent about my feelings about it and a lot more forthcoming about how I wanted other people to feel about it. Um, also <laughs> recognizing that, you know, it's every, everybody's got their own, their own rhythm and their own game to it. Um, but I guess how I wanted straight size people to approach the world of fatness. And um, I, I tend to, I try to be pretty direct and I try to be pretty kind, but you know, I'm also, I, I also kind of have small fat privilege as well. You know, I'm, I'm maybe like a size 16, 18. Um, so that, that affords me a little bit of a different, um, for sure. Than, for than sure. Other people too. So that I, so it's also, it's also about recognizing that too. And God, it's just so fucking nuanced. It's just insane. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, the hierarchy is real, you know, and, yeah. um, and it's almost like, being painfully average, which the average American woman is five three and a sixteen eighteen range. That's me. I mean, that's, that's exactly me. That's that's who I am. Yeah. yeah. So and and we obviously understand there's such a privilege in being so average, and we can we have accessibility in a different way, but uh-huh. it doesn't mean that we're also not constantly trying to be like I said on the other side of that. Like we're trying to be on the when when is it that my body is small enough where people do not see me as fat. And I, I've gotten down to a size 10 and, and I still don't think people thought of me as not a fat person. So then right. it became like doing this work. How do I say, oh, my my fatness is it just is. It doesn't have to be a good or a bad thing. Well, I read something that uh, I don't know if you know, one of my best friends, Alison Gwynn, who is a brilliant uh, actress here in New York and uh, singer and um, musician. uh, She posted something about like, when did fat become a bad word? Because thin is not a bad word. Tall is not a bad word. Short is not a bad word. But these are correct words. So fat is something that I am. So why is that a bad word? And there's like a history of that. We've had actually a guest on the show. She is a doctor and 
wrote an entire book and thesis about that and and the history of fatness being a problem and being amoral is absolutely connected to white supremacy and that's why all of this like we talk about is so complicated and I want to talk about I want to go to the take this conversation to theater because obviously putting yourself on a stage and having everyone see you in all of your glory and um you know, you, Josh, were talking about how people see you as this, you know, role model. And mm -hmm. I've, I, that's happened to me too. And I'm sure that's happened to you too, Claire, um, yeah. where people, you're just doing life. You're just like, I like singing and dancing. I like making up stories. I like sketch. I like improving. And people are like, wow, that's a big deal for you to be a big person doing that. And you're like, what? Like, I didn't know when I was doing Footloose that there was a whole generation of kids who were in high school watching me do that, playing a high school character, going, wow, I could be on Broadway, too. Yeah. Like a bunch. I had no idea. And I'm sure, Josh, that's happening to you. Of course. Um, and for me, it's it's all those things. It's an honor. I remember my parents were supportive, but they were also realistic and... My dad would be like, you are not like the other boys and it is going to be harder. And, you know, but we believe in you. We know that you're talented and we support this. But and, you know, that that is true. Um, you know, I don't know, but. Um, it's. Uh, <laughs> it's all a weird situation. I'm fascinated by um, I'm what I've really started thinking about lately is just this point where um, fat kids fall out of the program, right? And how people like you, Josh, and you, Kathy, and me, how we got through the bottleneck of making a career and a life out of this. Because you look at casts and, you know, if you get one or two um, people over a size, you know, eight or 10, depending on where, where this is, if it's, if it's Broadway or if it's, you know, regionally or whatever, you know, if you get more people of a certain size in your cast, it's not going to be a large number. So, and when I look at my department here, you know, our, our theater department here at, at MSU is, is huge. And I look at it and the, just the ratio of people who look like me, who are shaped like me, um, and people who are straight sized, and on the on the end of thin um something happens there right something has to happen that makes those those people go this is not the place for me and i wonder what that bottleneck is right and what i i'm really fascinated by that idea too and how how we slip through the cracks and yeah. become the chosen ones yeah. well i think <laughs> I, that a lot of people don't you think i, I I feel like this was kind of me, but wasn't, that a lot of people see themselves as the ingenue, and then when they realize they can't be, when they realize that, you know, classically trained sopranos don't have a place in Rodgers and Hammerstein, mm -hmm. like, they go, oh, I gotta peace out. And, and there's sort of, like, this little army of, like, fat sopranos going we want a place we want to be disney princesses right now and i love that but i think that that's kind of what ends up happening to a lot of kids i mean and, and in their and uh, truly why shouldn't they be the lead sure of course yeah in sure way. at the same time i also i'm very much a realist and the industry is not that way and so be it. But for me personally, I see two incredible artists before me that have something really fucking unique about them that is so incredible. So you cannot replicate it. It's just an individual thing. And I sort of, I'm not I'm not saying I'm fucking Meryl Streep, but I'm a weirdo. And I would say you're, I've told you you're a Jack Nicholson, like down. Like you're like the musical <laughs> theater's Jack Nicholson. You are. Well, no, but you know, like we have things. And when you see those things inside of you, it took me a long time to go, 
oh my God, I'm not six one and I don't know ballet and I'm not hot, you know, before us like, oh, fuck that. Yeah. As soon as they need me. Yeah. It's over. I'm going to yeah. show up. Yeah. It's very, and, yeah, it is. There is something very niche about it and that, and that does make everything feel a little more special. I just think it's fascinating about, you know, the, the, traditional viewing practices and casting practices and just, you know, fat phobia all behind that. It's, it's so, it's so hard to unpack and also fit into this category of uniqueness and realize I like where I fit there. And I like that I can deliver something that no one else can, but why not everyone, but not everyone. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we, you know, I'm a big history nerd. And if you go back, like I was in Pompeii, uh, what a fucking douche. I I was in Pompeii. Oh yeah. I was in Pompeii this morning. I I flew on the Concorde. It's a very, very common place to go. You know, and you look at what was beautiful back then. And for them, it was some big ass women. It was big ass women. Some of the oldest goddesses and statues are huge women. But that was a society viewing. Okay, so a bazillion trillion years later, we're here. And society is, you know, way fucking different. But society views it this way. And we are working in an entertainment industry that serves society. And so, but there are independent outlets and other fearless, wonderful producers that are putting us forward more and more and more. I want to talk about that. I want to take a little break because the audience needs to I got see a tinkle. The, the audience needs to see what the both of you can do. Um, so I've, I, have i have asked you for a couple video clips. Thank you for, and I believe that they're not available anywhere else, but here I'm plus this show. So, um, I'm going to totally not pee, but I'm going to drink a little, um, at this little small break. We'll be back. Plus this. After show, after show, hopefully uh, we have uh, 10 people, 10 uh, people giving $5 Patreon. on the Patreon. If 10 people give $5 a $5. month, we could do a whole season without giving money, getting money yeah. for people we don't trust. Isn't that nice? Guys, I'm literally trying to pimp myself to dating apps to try to get us money. Ooh. I'm scared. Don't make me do that. Ooh. Just give us five dollars. Really a beautiful place, you know. Eleanor Roosevelt visited Kabikov once and said that you could almost smell the family values wafting on the air. This reminds me of what Joan of Arc once said. Women belong amongst the trees looking for corpses. Remember what Emily Dickinson said? I'm a shut-in. Nobody touch me. (laughs) Remember my favorite quote. Amelia Earhart said, I'm a lady pilot. Where am I? (laughs) Remember Helen Keller said, Now, 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 to clean like a Sing it again, boy. Josh, we just watched Bloody Bloody Angela Lansbury. Can you please explain <laughs> to the audience what well, is happening now, there? <laughs> thanks to a cease and desist, you got a cease and desist. Oh, you got cease and desisted. Yes, I did. Um, it is now Bloody Bloody Jessica Fletcher. Okay. That character is a, it's a musical parody of Bloody of uh, Murder She Wrote. Um, which is actually in development in these odd times. Thank God. I love it. Um, but my character is character Sheriff Tom Bosley. And uh, <laughs> he just is constantly misquoting people uh, like women because it's the 80s and, you know, misogyny is real. And uh and finally, like his It Gets Better song to her is the Helen Keller song. Like it starts off small with like, I think now it's changed like Eleanor Roosevelt, you know, saw Kabakov once and she said, wow. 
you know, to like the next thing, to Joan of Arc, to that. And then Helen Keller said, and so it's very much like Murder, She Wrote meets Book of Mormon meets We're All Going to Hell. But you got to laugh. Oh, it's so it it delighted me. It delighted me. I'm glad. As did like almost everything that you've ever done. Emoji Land was like an off-Broadway phenomenon. Um it just got a Louis, it just got a Louise Lortel nomination. Congratulations yeah. for like the craziest set off Broadway ever. Yeah, well, it was all Jamie and um oh fuck, I for, oh god, I'm sorry. I'm it's so bad right. with names. We can Google um, it. But Google I love it, her. audience. Um the uh you know, the set the the lighting design and the uh the automation or not automation, the illustration whatever. Um their work was exceptional and what they did really deserved that and um but it's you know, also I'm weird that, that that's those happening right it's weird that it's happening that what that awards are happening i mean i am not a big awards person anyways yeah and i know that sounds sort of stupid and probably when I get one, I'm going to be like, oh, my God, thank you so much. But, like, I don't know. It's, I, yay, congratulations. Here's awards for everybody. Meanwhile, you know, when they you... 8,000 of the quarantine. Yeah, exactly. Donate to the Actors Fund. Exactly, exactly. Well, the uh, one thing that did... I'm glad it like got many nominations was a strange loop. And um thank God. Yes. Thank God the best thing ever, the most important thing, the most important conversation for all of us sheltered people to be having is this show. I learned so much. I am so grateful. I cannot wait to see what else uh he has up his sleeves. Yeah, he you missed him at Broadway Con with us, but he was Michael R. Jackson, the writer. Oh my god, I love him. He's incredible and he was um, so phenomenal. So phenomenal. And he talked about, you know, sort of like working with actors made him all of a sudden aware of things he hadn't been aware of, even though he was uh somebody who identifies as fat and obviously black. Um and and yet there were things as actors like he when he even as we were having this conversation around him on the panel was like, you guys are giving me things to think about that I have never thought about as somebody who is writing something. So is you know, he single? I actually think he I, might be. Because yeah, listen, he is. well, if he's single, match make a match make a match. Yes. Baby, gonna give you it right. Yeah. Ain't gonna sleep with your daddy tonight. Oh, this Dookie Hole is yours. Not Dookie Hole. Oh, yeah, Dookie Hole. That's my hit song, Dookie Hole. Dookie donate, hole. donate to the Actors Fund. Actors download fun. for free. Click Boy Dookie Chief. Hole to donate to the Actors Fund. Donate to the Actors Fund, the Boy Cheek. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think he's single is my point. And, um, I, you know, I want to go back to, you know, we're talking about the system, the system, the system. And I think that the more we have these conversations, the more people are being made aware of the choices affecting people who watch their shows. Um, my big beef and Josh, you were a part of one of these shows and I just want to like, Full disclosure, like, you know, it is hard being in a show and people have all these opinions about it, i.e. Wicked, Footloose, um, and you don't have creative control over it whatsoever. But being a part of it, I find it your point of view really important, and I would love to hear it, that a show about bullying and other shows, they're not the only one, I mean, Dear Evan Hansen and Mean Girls and all this stuff, that they don't have any kids in the kid ensemble who are plus size. Um, and and I really, I have such, it's such like a eh for me because all of the studies show that fat kids are the ones who get the most bullied. 
Um, yes. So, and I love, but, and yet I love that there were like two chubby guys in the show. Like, that the guys were thick and, and that was great. So. Well, with prom, I will say that Caitlin is not traditionally like super duper thin. I'm not saying that she's plus sized, but especially like throughout the creative uh you know, exploration of the piece. But I do agree. I think with that show specifically, though, because of time constraints, they were looking in the audition for hip hop dancers that could pick it up the first time perfectly. And those were the ones who who got it. Um, But Casey, and I do stand up for him with this, is known he loves the big girl. He loves the big boy. He loves the big anyone. And he fights for us constantly. When it came to the kids, I think it was just like he didn't have time. Uh, same thing with Mean Girls. It was just like, who picks it up now? Let's go. But also, but and, and I put that blame on casting directors for having that dissidence too. Like that they... I mean, I can rattle off 10 plus size dancers who could play high school in New York who are maybe some of the best hip hop people I've ever met. And that's just because of the work that I've done. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, what is it worth to you to tell a story about bullying that you don't go the extra mile to represent what bullying I agree, and I wasn't in those rooms, and I don't have that experience that you have, so I can't add on to that. Yeah. But just from my experience with Casey, he gave me chances and many people chances when nobody would. Um, he, James Lapine, and Bill Finn are the three that would yeah um, yeah you've had you've had a quite uh an experience oh and diane paulus yes um yes. you know there are many other director choreographers that i i love and i really admire but their shows are not um super diverse when it comes to having round people I am not seeing what they are seeing in the room. I do not know what they want. I am not placing blame. But, you know, that is the aesthetic that I see, and I cannot control their aesthetic or what they're going for. Yeah, which is why I just, there needs to be more women doing all of this, I think. Because women yeah. most of the time do know, right, Claire? Isn't that yeah, sort Yeah, of- I, I, I agree with you. And I think that's interesting Um you know, I, I have a completely different life experience, obviously, than than both of you have in the industry. And um, and it's it, it just you <laughs> I mean, I don't know any of these people and, and, and I don't know what they what they see every day and what they are influenced by every day. But I know that I don't think there are people in an audience who are clamoring for only thin people. And that's where the, that's where I don't understand the disconnect, I guess, is that it's, it's all rooted in our own, you know, our own preconceived notions of what, you know, what showmanship is supposed to be and what these fictional worlds are supposed to look like and these idealized bodies and it's just so bizarre to me and I think that's and that's what um you know Kathy and I and 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 Michael and and Mimi talked about in at Broadway Con just like the influence of Hollywood and silicone and um you know weight loss surgery and how it's just kind of infiltrating everybody and we don't even know it like we do but we don't right because even and even my own internalized um thoughts about what I want to see Galinda up there looking like me well yeah I would I I think I say yes of course and then I go but would I be in the audience and that curtains curtain opens and it and she comes down from the bubble and I go huh I don't got it <laughs> But would I buy it or would I not? One I of the one of the 
biggest always. compliments I ever, ever got was Norbert. And this is me so being gross. But Norbert Leo Butts was like, Kathy Deach, I wish you could be Glinda. And I was like, Norbert, I love you so much. That will never, ever happen in a million years. But I love yeah. that he like was willing to see something. Like, the, And the fact that he would even say that out loud. Because people might think that of you and they don't say it, right? Like, you know. Yes. Um, it. But I want to talk about the areas. And this is the thing that I kind of... Um, I kind of, the thing that frustrates me is that even places, again, where having plus size people in things makes more sense to storytelling, right? Mm -hmm. Where even in the movie of Mean Girls, that character is, he is a gay fat icon, you know, that character, Daniel. So like, why, like, why did, couldn't they find an actual fat guy to do that job? And I think they did. I think Gray is no. overweight, and then his replacement, Chad, who I love, is also a big guy. I think that they they did well with that. See, I I I, I don't think so. I think Gray. Okay. I my experience with Gray is I saw him on the tour of Book of Mormon, and I, then I saw him like maybe like. 20 pounds heavier with like a pillow in his gut like it was so obvious they were trying to like fat suit him up a little bit oh i didn't notice that i'm really dumb when it comes to yeah, that yeah. kind of stuff and and also so. like why would you why would you need anybody to gain weight for part when there is literally a you around or you know, any, know you know what i mean like anybody around like or the the kid who came out of college who looks like you do you know what i mean like the josh guy anyway but that put aside there's that there's those spaces where i'm like oh but also that like even the mothers like even a woman who's pregnant in a show can't be plus size like like the, the, the fact that waitress can't it has to be the one woman who's frustrated in her relationship who's starved for attention from her husband or whatever who's miserable and you know is rah 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 she's the one who gets to be the fat person it's not the woman and who's she actually has to having have the baby. soul song yes yeah. exactly and it's not the woman who's actually pregnant in the show who's well, actually can, having a child <laughs> doesn't can I talk public. some shit and blow off some steam. I we have some time. Yes. I feel like that's what that's what I'm here for. <laughs> um the company revival. The company revival did not see fat people. They wouldn't even audition them. Pretty much. And like here's the thing. I am a realist, like I said. I never expected an audition. I a manager that I know who doesn't even rep me um wrote to me the sweetest, like this is the nicest thing anybody's ever done, and was like, Hey, I know that they most likely won't see you, but he sent me this letter that he sent to them. That was like, you need to see him. You need to give him five minutes of your time oh for the uh, for the Amy part or the Jamie part. The listener, everybody there, yeah. everybody there. Um, oh and God. not just fat people, but also like, and I'm not going to name names because that wouldn't be cool. But some of the most incredible, also like thinner or, you know, awkward character people the time of day right. where this is not a diverse group of people. Yeah. It's like the CW and does company. I love my friends in it. I am not talking shit about them at all. You never, they are geniuses and never, I, and I can't wait to cheer them on. You but never ever poo poo the person who gets the job. No, like it's never I, about that. I cannot wait to see them and I love the show and I can't wait to support it. But it was very disappointing when you have a city filled with resumes that say, I deserve five minutes of your time. And that's all that I'm asking, because I could be believable in this situation. Mm -hmm. For sure. 
it all comes down to that word believability. I mean, mm. it really does as far as what we as audience members, what we as casting directors, what we as theater makers in general are willing to believe. And it's, it's unfathomable to me that that is just not considered believable. I mean, because we, we're in the world, we're here right now. Why don't you believe we should be represented? You know, I mean, if theater is supposed to mirror life, it's, uh, it's, it doesn't, um, it doesn't always do the best job of mirroring the population. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It is these weird, there's like these weird, like concepts, there's like these weird, like conceptual things and that people don't think larger bodies can even handle it. I mean, that's like a whole other insult. I mean, just like, you know, going in for the commercial edition where the character has to run up and down golf courses, like golf hills, and a guy who's, you know, not thin himself sitting on a couch going, can you, can you do that? When I walked in. Oh my God. And and by the way, I was like, yeah, I did Broadway show for, yes, I did a thousand performances of a Broadway show. I was on a rake stage (laughs) and worked with Lisa LaGuio. I can do anything. (laughs) You're a monster. You're a monster. (laughs) I want to talk about, wait, Josh, we have to talk about this because I promised myself I would talk about it because we don't have a ton of time left. But. I know the depth of who you are. Obviously, you're like one of the funniest people I know, but you also have this like incredible depth. I think our first conversation, I was going back and trying to figure out like how the hell did Josh and I ever become so close? And I don't know who even put us together, but I remember Chad Darnell, by the way, is on a Facebook, like totally watching us, which I love so much. I Hi, love Chad. Him. Um, but I don't think it was him. But we got together and we talked about Philly and we talked about like all this stuff. And and then in Philly. I was working on a show down there and my fancy friends who support the Arden because they're like high school the friends. The Arden is the best fucking regional theater I have ever worked at. Support the Arden Theater in Philadelphia if you can, if you have money. They they make art. Yeah. Anyway, go on. So Sorry. then I'm there supposed to see this big tribute to Sondheim and Sondheim is going to be there and and um, Jason Robert Brown was going to give like a, a tribute and there was like a tornado or a, a, a nor'easter. Something happened. The electricity in the city went out and there was a generator that lit not like the small black box theater, but like the table saw in the scene where they built the sets. So for those of us who hung on long enough. We packed in in crazy folding chairs with sawdust at our feet to see a performance. And you literally performed, not while I'm around, on a table saw for Stephen Sondheim four feet away from you and Jason Robert Brown, like, hanging out by the piano. Like, I can't. Can we please talk about what that was like? Oh, my God. And by the way, you were brilliant. And I'm so mad. I thought a friend of mine had recorded it. And I was, like, shaking her down, my friend who who um, brought me. And I'm I'm still waiting for that video. I will show that video next week if I, Thank you. I get it. It was it's remarkable. Um, it was also, like, when I played the role there and I was in the twink stage of my life and I was there as a bigger person, but also... When I was there, I was in a really horrible domestic violence situation where I was almost killed. And like, I was not the actor that I was yet. And so it was a big full circle thing. And to see him weeping, like while I'm singing his song on a fucking like saw table and then like feeling so on top of the world. But here's the the biggest, the best thing why I love being a realist (laughs) is coming up after him finally at the end of the night he's finally alone i'm like steve and mr sondheim uh we did into the woods together in central park and i got and he went if you say so (laughs) (laughs) and you know that that's that's the that's the kind of shit that it's like Thank you, universe. Yeah. Like, that was a magical moment, and I'm never going to forget it. 
God bless you, Stephen Sondheim. God bless you for fucking just being here in sawdust and playing Pope to all these people, even me, you know, oh, and, and just was, being I mean, real, but not when rude, he gave you know? that like speech at the end and he got all verklempt and, you know, you see so many interviews with him and I teach a history of Broadway class at a BFA program. So I like shove like every bit of information about Sondheim and in every interview we ever gave at them. And I'm like, this is how theater's made. Don't you understand? You have to care. You have to get it. Steven Sondheim gets it. And then to see him be so like, you know, a matter of fact and ha- not people might consider it a hardness. I think you and I and Claire, probably you too, like you, you see there's like a, there's like a decision. There's like a clarity in the way they talk. And then he's just like us. And then to see him so soft, give that speech. I mean, it was really, it was really, I I mean, it was literally like a pink cloud. I was on, it was the only reason why I should have been in Philadelphia. Cause you want to see my impression. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Kathy, I love your show. If you say so. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Oh God! It's if you're not watching good. this on, if you're not watching this on a video, I don't know what to say to you. Um, we're gonna take another tiny quick break because I want to show one of Claire's montages too, because she also is a hysterical genius. One day we'll all share the same space after this hellhole is over. But um, we'll come back plus this. Hi guys, it's Kathy from Plus This. I'm getting ready for season five. Can you believe it's been five seasons already? We start back March 12th at 6 p.m. at UVN Go. Per usual, this season, I'm not just gonna have one host, I'm gonna have all the hosts. It's gonna be Kathy and Friends. And more importantly, it's going to be Kathy and Friends and you because we're dedicating one whole segment to have a conversation with one of our viewers about how fatness is perceived in the world for them and like what challenges they have. So I want to talk about it. I want to help you if I can. I want to take the things I've learned from amazing guests over four seasons and start to help you out. So email me at plusthisshow at gmail.com or DM me in my Instagram at plusthisshow and you could be on Plus This Show. I'll see you March 12th. Quixotic? Oh yeah, I was an English major. Oh, I bet. I bet that had an effect on all the boys. Yeah. Well, as long as you mean effect, E F F E C T, not affect, A F F E C T, because effect is actually a noun, and effect is the verb. It's a common grammatical. <laughs> a sentimental song that casts a magic spell. They all will hum along. Will ever act like hell. It's too tall upon the top. I look like a big old loaf of bread. <laughs> a song always ends like Claire, I love how many gowns you wear in that montage. <laughs> I love a sequin moment. I love a tiara. Thank you. I love that you play both sides of the coin with absolute ease. I feel like we have a sisterhood in that. I can absolutely play a ratchet bum uh, who, who wears dude clothes, but I also can like be a pretty, pretty princess. I mean, all of my improv characters are basically ratchet bums. And whether they are uh, male or female or anything else that I can do it all. But ratchet bum is my wheelhouse, man. (laughs) So you went to um, Michigan and you saw a need and then started Man Overboard. Can you tell me a little bit about that? 
Yeah, so it kind of stems from the work that I did in Indianapolis. I, I really worked heavily in the improv scene um, there. And uh, and I started the Gal Pal Comedy Festival in Indianapolis and ran that with a co-producer for about seven years. And it's been on the air. It's been happening every year for seven years. And Man Overboard kind of was a direct stem from that because I left my professional career and, and all my friends in Indianapolis moved to Michigan State. And I joined the improv team at Michigan State and it's full of wonderful people and and really um it's it they're starting to kind of grow this improv scene um around the university there but i noticed that it was really kind of a male heavy um scene as most improv scenes are you know it's kind of a boys club and i i don't mean that in a in a bad way i have many many wonderful um wonderful guy friends in in the improv world but um it's brotastic yeah, it's brotastic though yeah it's very brotastic and you know, my experience with Gal Pal was that when I got a group of women into a room um, and and let them just kind of play without this outside influence of the male gaze, I mean, not to get too um, gaze, G-A-Z-E, not the male gaze, <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> uh, not to get too academic. We obviously you know, lost Josh because he's not even commenting on that really good joke. I'm sorry, Shelby needed more juice. <laughs> Juice, Shelby. Shelby need a juice. What can I do in times of loving cholera? What was the comment? Go back. I want to laugh at it. Sorry. Oh, I made I made a, a male gaze reference. Uh, she made and, a male gaze joke, and but, not the know, gaze, but like a gaze, like looking. Can I just get a laugh anyway, Josh? Just like well, in the. Can I pretend like I'm casting? Oh, Claire, that was great. Can we get that one more time? Sure. Sure. Um, cool. Thanks. Whenever you're ready. Great, great. Um, okay, 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 okay. Whenever you're ready, take your time. The tongue, tip of the tongue, tip of the tongue. Okay. Um. <clears throat> so you know, I wanted to start a group that wasn't, you know, about the male gaze, <laughs> and I don't mean the male gaze, but you know, the male gaze. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Thanks ew. so much for coming in today. Ew. Ew. No, that was great. We loved your self-tape. Oh, thanks. I got a ring light special. <laughs> we could tell. And a blue background. Um, yeah, so I started Man Overboard. And uh, and it's a it's a group for, for women and non-binary performers just to kind of give them an, uh, an inclusive space, a, play, a space where they get, you know, especially, you know, undergrads, college undergrads, they're just trying to figure shit out, right? And, like we all are, but it's like they're trying to figure shit out on a whole new level. And... Um, so to give them that place to play and feel really free uh, has been has been so rewarding. And and we played at a couple festivals and we just kind of meet up and, and play games and don't judge each other. And it's really a valuable time spent. I mean, I, but I'm a full believer in the fact that the value of play is real and the value of play with like-minded people is also very rewarding. I mean, we, I think that also can be translated to the casts that we all rehearse with right and the people that we form these kinds of families with and feel really safe with and it makes our performing better it makes yeah. our acting better when we have people around us who aren't going to judge us and who we know we are fully you know free to fuck up in front of yeah and it's I also a different it's such a crazy different thing having people around you that look like you I don't know how you guys feel but a lot of times in theater I was always the fat one I was literally the only fat person in a cast and yeah. and when all of a sudden I was in sketch and we did had a fat girl sketch group I'm gonna plug it fatch it's really fun and we like would have moments where we would cry because we were like oh my god we've never been on stage with an we've never shared a backstage space with big girls all big girls before like it was like we were so we didn't even realize how isolated we were being the only all the time it's yeah. affirming I mean and how you don't realize how how much you're holding back from who you kind of truly are how you like to joke and how you like to laugh and and it, it makes a big difference Josh I'm sorry I think I interrupted you no no I you know I'm listening and I'm almost in tears but I haven't cried in 17 years and I'm not starting now. Well, start now. Um, <laughs> but with that said, um, I spent a good amount of time 
being, you know, just sort of like that, that kid that was like, so, oh, there's another fat person. There's another fat, oh, 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 my competition, my competition. When it's like, no, bitch, your community. Because mm. we are all so fucking different. If they want him, they don't want you. If they want you, they don't want them. Like, we are all night and day. The only similarity it's like when people are like, oh, my gosh, you remind me of Chris Farrell. And it's like, <laughs> no, I don't. We're just both fat. Exactly. Right? But that's OK. You know, I get it. Um, I'm but, glad you're OK. I'm not OK. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but when I realized that, no, we're not. We are not competition. We are community. For a long time, it's like if I was dating somebody that was also of size and in the business, it was like, oh, this, we can't date. We can hook up, but we, like, I'm not going through a lifetime in the business with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, like. I have a proposal. Can I pitch? Can I make a pitch? Pitch it. And then we'll probably have All to right. wrap up. Let's go. You know, so so we're 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 making plans to reopen the country, right? You know, we don't know when that's going to happen, but it's but it's 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 on it it's on the verge. Um, so I think that we should uh, just like there's you know a six foot distance rule and there's a glove rule and there's a all these kinds of rules. I think we should also make it a mandate that you put at least three people in three fat people into every show. Just it has to happen. Just as a rule. If we're making if rules, normalize. It's going to start to make us all, you know, recognize that there are different shapes. I think. I think I'm onto something. I think that does destroy social distance a bit, though. <laughs> if we're like we're the belly bumping baby, and we're here to show that we are COVID free. So yeah. let's go do Footloose. You're such an asshole. I hate your guts. Um, let's go do Glass Menagerie. I would be fierce Equity in the Glass Menagerie. has decided. You would yes. be an amazing gentleman caller. Um, I would actually, well, yeah, I would. You would. I mean, you're pretty great. I want to kiss you. I want to kiss you. Josh and Claire, this is dream come true for me. Thank you for making dreams come true. Can you let people know how to find you and places Let's shout it out. How can we support you? Josh, so, you're everywhere. Tell people oh, where you're going to be no next. Job. Yeah, I'm fucking everywhere. Just like, God. You like um, have a blue check. Like, you're like a real <laughs> asshole. Um, on Instagram, I'm Josh, period, Layman, Don't which is period. lemon with an A. God. On social media, I'm just Josh Layman. Uh, come find me. I've got a website too um i've got a a great podcast i'd love you to listen to called josh swallows broadway which is so good and thanks friend and um my only fans is uh i'm just kidding oh my god i was yet. like <gasps> tell me no it's where fans. i rub my nipples and do <laughs> monologues from Los and yonkers <laughs> I just want to touch. Oh I'm doing. Oh, I'm doing mama. the sisters Rosenswig next. Can I'm brawless. <laughs> You're so dumb, Claire. I just found out that you left Twitter. You left me alone on Twitter. But where do where do you, you spend most of your time? It makes me crazy. It's just too overstimulating. You know what though? When you asked me, you were like, "Are you not on Twitter?" I went back and I was like, "Maybe I should." <laughs> if you do, I'll let everybody know. Yeah, I, I totally will. Um, if I do ever tweet again, it'll be at Life is Real Dumb. Um, but uh, I am just Claire.Wilcher on Insta. And if you want to join, if there are any fat theater makers out there, um, I've got a Facebook group going. We're kind of we're kind of just starting. It's called the Fat Theater Experience. And it's just a place for us to kind of share shit and uh, talk shit and care about each other. So um, come join Fat Theater Experience. Oh, I love that. I love that. Um, I didn't get to our top five fat performances. I might have to ask you for your own personal video and send it to me because I might need extras for our Patreon. Please become a Patreon so this can happen. Josh, you're going to give it to me. You're going to do extra for me, okay? Just I'm going to do a lot You're going to bend over and do extra. So um, oh, yeah. we're really lucky. Size 16. So I'll send you a video, okay? Amazing. So next I'm wearing week... a little shrug. <laughs> 
I am so lucky that next week I have uh, Deshaun Harrison here. He's a writer. He is the associate editor of, um, where did it go? Uh, Where Your Voice. I was like, I know it's where something. Uh, Where Your Voice. Uh, They are an incredible Twitter presence. If you can find them on there, you'll, you'll have a delight of your life. Really talking about intersexuality. They have a book coming out next year. I'm really excited. Uh, But thank you, thank you, thank you for this Broadway edition of Plus This, and we'll see you next week.